to episode number 101 of the Church Collective Podcast. In this episode, myself and Adam Bilhanek got together and talked with Dustin Smith about his heart and ministry and the healing project, uh, why we need to be more focused on the people in our church over the music, and um, just really what God's given Dustin in a dream to heal people through writing music and through exposing them to worship music. So here we go with episode number 101 of the Church Collective Podcast. I basically, I mean, I've been a worship leader for, oh man, too long, probably. It's a little, probably embarrassing to say how long I've been doing it, but uh, would it be weird to say I've been like a worship leader for 20 years, but I'm only 23? Thanks. It doesn't really fit, but no, I'm, I'm 40 years old, so I've been doing this for a long time, and I've been a worship leader in Kansas City for the last about 12 years, and while we were there, you know, we had... I'm a worship leader at heart. So, you know, I get a chance to write songs and get a chance to do the artist thing with integrity. But truthfully, my heart is just as a shepherd. So uh, as I've written songs and stuff, our songs tend to be driven by what does our congregation need? What do we need to put on their lips, you know, for what's happening in our congregation right now? And then and then around the world, what is what does the church need to be proclaiming? Uh, what does it need to be saying? And so I've been driven by that. And I feel like worship leaders, it's difficult because there's a lot to live up to these days. Uh, I feel like pastors are hiring worship leaders um, to try to match whatever they're hearing on CDs. Sure. And so we have a lot of people that are um, really good with guitars, but not necessarily good with people. Right. <laughs> and so it's become more about music than it has people. And I've always come from the attitude of, you know, music for me is just a, an incredible tool or weapon that I get to use to help people tear down walls that are, that are being built to try to keep them from experiencing God. And so, um, songs to me are rods and staffs. You know, I use a rod to beat the living tired of every enemy that's been speaking to my people uh, all week. And then I use a staff to pull them together to help them feel safe. And so when we got to Nashville, we actually uh, did a, our, re, our most recent project is, is called Reach Out Your Hand. And uh, you can find it like, uh, it's actually on the website, healingisright.com. And we created an app called Healing Is Right. And the whole project was really birthed out of a dream I had. I had a dream of a man. He was laying in a coma. And I walked into this hospital room and people were crying all around him. And when I walked up to him, I had I had in my hand like a necklace with an MP3 player on it. That's the only way I can really describe it. And so I put it around his neck and put headphones in his ears. And then I stepped away and I, I remember pushing play. And when I did, I could see activity in his, like his eyes didn't open, but I could see him kind of darting back and forth. Like he was looking for something. And I stood there and the people didn't even notice I was in the room. They're just crying and like, he's dead already. And I watched the clock and when that clock hit five minutes, he sat straight up in the bed and took this huge breath. And, and the whole room like came alive. And people were, you know, the joy filled the room. They're running over to the bed. And I remember waking up and I was sitting straight up in bed. And I couldn't breathe. And I knew something was up. So I got up out of bed and I went to the computer and I started looking for these MP3 players that I could try to hook onto a necklace and uh, try to get music uh, out. And I really felt God say, I'm going to use these songs. I want you to write songs to promote healing mm-hmm. and I wanna, I'm going to send them into hospice and I want you to send them into cancer wards and I want you to send them into uh, pediatric units and I'm going to start a healing revolution. And sometimes it's hard because the, 
you know, we can sing songs and we, we can forget the power of songs. And, you know, there's scripture where David would play for Saul and the Bible says as he played, the demons left Saul. And, and I think we've, we forget sometimes the power of the song to be able to really um, declare over the enemy. And so we started writing songs and I wrote with Corey Voss and he was really one of the first ones I even told about the dream. And uh, he really encouraged me to just go for it. And we ended up writing a song called Reach Out Your Hand, which is the title cut. And then I wrote a couple other songs called Wonders. I wrote a song called God Moves the Mountains with um, David Leonard with All Sons and Daughters and Richie Fike. Yeah. And, and just started really just finding guys who believed in healing and what God was doing. And in the meantime, we got an email from a lady. She's 76 years old or in her 70s. She had uh, Parkinson's disease for five years. She was on 15 medications. And she had gotten a hold of our other CD called Coming Alive. Mm -hmm. And she said she felt God wanted her to play it in her house nonstop, just keep on playing it. So she said she played it for a month straight. And one morning she woke up and she was completely healed of Parkinson's disease. And she went to her doctor and uh, her neurologist and the neurologist said that she didn't even have any signs that she'd ever had Parkinson's disease. And so we knew God was doing something. And since then, I mean, since even releasing this project, um, we've had testimony after testimony of people that have been healed of diabetes, of cancer of ADHD, of emotional problems. And, you know, we felt like it was something that God wanted to just get out. And so we kind of went against the system a little bit and um, we're, we give the project away for free. So you can't even find it on iTunes uh, except as an app and the app is free. And we just felt like we didn't want to make sick people pay for this medicine, you know? And so we started sending it in and we've got, we, we do have some of those MP3 players we're sending out, but we've got CDs, we've got the app uh, and all kinds of stuff. But I think it really speaks to the power of, of declaring who God is uh, over sickness and who God is over emotional things and just making him bigger. You know, David said, come magnify the Lord with me and let's exalt his name together. And I think it's important for us to remember sometimes that, you know, when you used to be like a kid in science class, you take a magnifying glass and you stick a, like a little bug under it. And all of a sudden that bug became huge, you know, and, but the bug didn't really get bigger. He just got bigger in your eyes. And I think it's important for us to remember sometimes um, the enemy is just trying to keep God small in, in, you know, in our eyes. And it doesn't really change God's size. It just has changed in our eyes. And so I feel like the power of worship a lot of times in the declaration is to continually magnifying him to make him bigger in people's eyes and to remind them, just like happened in the book of Revelation, you know, uh, that the declaration of holy, holy, holy is what's going to spread around the world to make his name known. Hmm. So somebody listening to this may be like, wow, that is incredible. That's powerful. Do you have any advice for just like the week-to-week worship leader who wants to maybe move into something where the music is more than just, you know, the, the 20, 25 minutes, maybe they just feel kind of beat up from the week in, week out of it. Yeah, for sure. You know, for me, I think it just comes down to even, I feel like, you know, we got into these church wars where it was almost like, instead of 
music being the weapon that we use against the enemy, it's kind of gotten turned on ourselves, you know, and we've got these battles of drums or songs or whatever it is. And one of the things we started doing, even with my team, we started talking about, you know, you can meet meet behind the stage and pray before a service. But one of the things I started doing is praying for the service during the week. And then right before I go into the service, I go and hug some of the people I'm about to lead into worship. (laughs) And like, you know, it's funny because I meet guys that are, you know, at a church of 200 people and they should really know most of those people. And they get up on stage and stand up there like they're foreigners, you know, or like they don't really know them. They close their eyes and they kind of go into their own box. Mm-hmm. And and instead, I've tried to make sure, like, even the grandparents in the room know that today, I want them to look at me more like their grandson than a guy who was hired to sing some songs. Sure. And I want them to know that this is something that is very personal. And when I lead these songs that you may not totally enjoy, uh, they may be youthier, they may be stronger, uh, you need to know that I'm doing it because I really want to see people get help. And I love you enough that even if you don't like the medicine we're about to, we're about to take, uh, I'm doing it because I believe that this can make us better. And when they when they really believe you have real concern for them, you know, it's interesting because I see a lot of guys like when they want something to get better, they continually go to God for it. Hmm. But one of the things Jesus said to the Pharisees is He said, "I see that you uh, know all the commands, and I see that you know the word, but He see He said, I see that you've neglected the people that I've put you over, and." I think it's interesting because we we tend to spend so much time in the week thinking about our music. And I I tend to think um, more about people than I do the music. And then I let the music be a part of how do I now help these people. And so for me, one of the first things that God did to put me in that position was he put me in something. I didn't play the piano and I'd only led vocally. And my pastor actually pushed me into playing the piano. And I hated it because I felt stronger leading without a piano sure so i would stay up at late at night like practicing trying to figure this thing out and i remember one night getting really frustrated with god and i said why do you want me to learn the piano so bad and i felt god say i'm not trying to teach you how to play the piano i'm actually trying to teach you how to worship and i thought oh dang and i think what it was was you know, I was I was strong vocally. I knew how to sing, and I felt like that was my worship. Mm-hmm. and And he wanted me to stop performing, and he wanted me to come from a position of 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 the heart. And you know, Jesus, when he talks to Pharisees too, he says, "You're a people who praise me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me." And so I started getting away late at night, you know, midnight to three in the morning sometimes because I had kids, I had a job, I had to get up for. And, and I would just sit in my room and I would just start singing the Psalms and I didn't sit down to try to come up with a list and I didn't sit down to try to come up with uh, a new song. I sat down just to sing to him Hmm. and, and something really started to shift in me that made it more, uh, this is my personal time. Then when I walked in with the congregation, I could look in them, them in the eyes and take them somewhere I had already gone. And to me, that's where it becomes, it just becomes more real. And I think people, you know, people are going to be people. They're going to sometimes say dumb things and and say hurtful things. But ultimately, if people know that you have concern for them, most of the time they'll follow you. Hmm. Uh, It's, they're really rebelling against things that they feel like nobody really cares about us. 
and they just care about getting done what they want to get done. And uh, and I think if that shift happens, we become more community driven than just song driven. Then I think people will feel, I think they'll feel supported more, but I think they'll feel life more too. You know? Yeah. You know, uh, Ryan mentioned the younger worship leaders, uh, you know, when we were chatting before we started recording and he mentioned younger worship leaders and we're, we're finding at the church collective, there's a lot of guys who are kind of chasing what they're seeing on YouTube and, and different, uh, videos and things. Um, and I think there's probably somebody who's listening and what you're saying is really resonating, but how, I I wonder if you could speak to the, the idea of you want to to see the Lord work in a certain way, but you also don't want to make a formula, you know, Uh, you don't just, you just, Oh, well, you know, he had a vision and a dream about these necklace MP3 players. So I'm going to go buy a thousand necklace MP3 players. Oh no, that's not enough faith. I'm going to buy 5,000 necklace MP3 players. You know, could could you speak to the young guy who, or gal who is hearing this, it's resonating. Um, but we don't want them to just do what you've done. Cause that's what the Lord called you to do. I wonder if you could speak to that a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting because I think you just have to look at the fruit of what's happening in certain ministries and understand like what created that. I would start to pursue, you know, it's funny because you say like when they watch like a Hillsong thing or Jesus culture thing, it's like we want to imitate them, but we don't always search out and imitate what created them doing that. Mm. And so what we do is we pursue what we see on the outside, but we don't pursue when they were laying on their faces before God for five hours, crying out to him that he might use them in a powerful way. And so I think you have to search and find out why are they the way they are and not just try to imitate them uh, in the way, you know, Paul said, imitate me, but Paul actually had guys who were following him around and were at a personal level. They weren't just watching Um, what's been, you know, we're going to always put our best foot forward on YouTube. Uh, We're going to put our best foot forward on our videos. Our videos are not, they're overdubbed, they're polished. uh, Everybody looks good, except, you know, I still look like I'm 10 pounds heavier, which usually thinks, but (laughs) I haven't been able to fix that yet. But I, well, okay, I probably look the way I do, but I probably feel like I'm 10 pounds lighter. But I think that we we have to remember, you know, what created these moments. And, you know, Jesus culture even, I know everybody loves the flash of it and the, and the strength of it, and I do too. But what created that is a Chris Kalala playing in front of, you know, 15 people. Uh, it, it's a guy who did youth ministry for a while. You know, it's like uh, we like to see him at their height, but... Um, I don't. I don't think that you need to try to take on somebody else's armor necessarily, but I do think when you see somebody that's producing fruit, find out why they have that fruit. Don't just try to imitate the fruit and try to make something uh, smell good just because you found out what perfume they're wearing or cologne they're wearing, but you're not willing to take a bath, you know. And and so I don't think that imitation is necessarily wrong. I think that it's just difficult when you don't know what really created those songs. You don't know really what created those moments. And so what they're doing is they're taking what they're good at, maybe playing a guitar and saying, oh, I can do that. But you forgot, like there are a lot of people out there playing instruments, but not everybody's having an impact. Uh, when Saul said, I said it earlier, when Saul said, uh, call for a musician, to, you know, because he was tormented by demons, they called David. They didn't call somebody else. And I'm sure there were a lot of musicians playing. 
you know? Hmm. And But what created that in David? And what created it in David was he wasn't somebody who was trained in the courts. He's somebody who was trained in the field. And it, it wasn't somebody any of us would pick. So do you want to be that guy? And if you want to be that guy, there's a chance you might be used that same way, hmm. you know? And it doesn't discount talent, but talent's never going to be the focus, you know? And I've just learned that Man, guys are really good at looking good, and um, and it doesn't really change anybody else's life. And when David showed up to fight Goliath, it says the Israelites had been standing there for 40 days making noise, and King Saul was up in his pretty tent. And as soon as David steps out and says, I'm going to kill that guy, his brother says, what are you doing here, you wicked and conceited person? And his brother had watched the battle for 40 days and done nothing. And Saul stands in a tent and then tells him to put on his armor. But if his armor was so great, why didn't he use it? Hmm. So you got a lot of churches, you got a lot of people telling you what you need to be, but I think God's just looking for people who will stand up and honor him. And, and then the activity of the battle might not even look like what you see on YouTube, but God's going to start speaking to you about what you need to do and step out. I mean, all of us are called to bring healing. All of us are called to make declarations. How it comes out of you might be different than it comes out of somebody else, but it's still got to come out. And so I hope that those videos of Hillsong, Jesus Culture, I hope they stir you. But don't just be a a cheap imitation of that. You know, if it's not heart, it's not going to change anybody. And if it doesn't connect into the presence of God, nothing's going to shift anyways. I want to ask a similar question, but from a different perspective. You know, we were talking about the younger worship leaders, but I was thinking of, an older senior pastor. And I had a conversation recently with an older senior pastor who kind of felt like, well, what, what's the point of all this? Um, and his church's music would probably be defined as older. Um, and, and he said, there's Timothy Keller, there's, um, Alistair Begg, there's Chuck Swindoll there. And he started listing all these, these notable preachers. And he says, why God's working in their ministries and they don't have this music that some of my younger guys are talking about and the stuff, definitely what you're talking about. Uh, I wonder if you could speak to somebody, maybe they're coming from a church where worship isn't emphasized or maybe they're listening and they're in a leadership position and, and they could make that kind of change. I wonder if you could speak to that a bit. Yeah. I mean, it's difficult, you know, times are changing and I feel like a lot of what has been church will not be anymore. I feel like for a season, it worked. I feel for a season, people were willing to be lectured, and 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 we became a people who fell in love with knowledge, hmm. and we became a people who um, loved to be comatose. I call it the shut up, sit down, memorize, repeat syndrome. Uh, you know, you go to school your whole life, and you're told if you'll shut up, sit down, memorize, repeat, you'll get an A, and people have become really good at it. And so then you go into church and you feel like if I shut up, sit down, memorize, repeat, then I'm a good Christian. And I think we're finding that people now have no, uh, there's no outreach. There's no way to impact the world because all we've done is we go into church and we sit down, we shut up, sit down, memorize, repeat. And they can quote the scriptures pastors are saying. They can quote verses day and night. But when it comes down to it, their families are falling apart. People are addicted to drugs. Divorces are happening. And and we don't know how to even touch people in our workplaces. And I feel one of the things that worship does, you know, Scripture says the fivefold ministry is for a purpose. It says he gave us pastors, teachers, evangelists, apostles, and prophets that we might equip the body to do the work. 
And I'm all for preaching. I, I would never, no matter how great a worship service is, I would never, ever go out without the preaching of the Word of God. I feel like it's it's epically important. I don't know if it epically is even a good word. It's probably why they won't let me preach either. But um, if, if you boil it down to it, worship is one of those times that people actually get to get, they get the message on their own lips instead of just on their ears. And it starts to train their mouths for what they're supposed to speak. And I really feel like there's a huge importance. You know, the Bible says that there's no greater weapon than the tongue. It doesn't say that your weapon is your ear. It says your weapon is your tongue. And for a season, it might be okay for them just to sit and listen. But if there's not an activity coming from them, uh, and from your people, then what good are you doing and just creating an audience for you to for you to preach to and speak to? So if you're in a church like that, I don't think that that's necessarily a problem. I think that you have to just sit down and start to understand why is worship taking such a prominent role in the earth right now? And I think everybody needs to understand that, uh, you know, as terror has happened, there's a reason that they get a hold of the news stations and there's a reason that they get a hold of the airwaves. And that's because when people hear something and it becomes a dominant voice, then it's going to dictate culture. And I think one of the reasons worship is taking on a bigger prominent role right now is because God is allowing the church to become the voice, to be the loudest voice, to be the ones to dictate culture. And the enemy loves to use religion to shut us down. I think since, you know, this is, it's really difficult, but if you get into history, I mean, people love to go back to, you know, history, if it just goes back to maybe the Protestant Reformation. But if you really go back to history with Jesus's day, you're talking about Jews and you're talking about a Hebrew people who are very vocal. They're so vocal, they even have a wall called the Wailing Wall. <laughs> so, you're, you know, if you really want to go back historically, you're dealing with the people who love to sing and declare, and it's how most of their teaching happened. So I love preaching in the Word of God. I would never discount it. And whoever, you know, whoever you were talking to as a pastor, I think that's a great word that, yeah, the Word of God is important. But if we sing it, I mean, everything else we do, even in school, we sing our ABCs. Uh, you know, we sing songs to memorize patterns. And one of the things you're doing is not just preaching to them, you're ingraining the word of God in them. And I don't know if you guys grew up in church or not, but hmm. did. And there's songs I wish I could forget because it was poor theology. I can't get it out of my head now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking like, man, I wish I did not know that song. So now I understand the importance of theology in songs. At least. And, but I understand the, it, here's the cool thing. One of the ways to help the pastors is write better songs that have the Word of God in them. They go to that pastor and say, hey, I'd love to take your sermons, start writing songs to all of them, so our people actually start singing your words. I mean, that, in a pastor, I can't imagine a pastor going, no, I still don't want to sing, you know? Right. Because then the church doesn't just hear the song, they become the song, you know? And they become your sermons. That's it for this week's episode. Please head over to thechurchcollective.com, get connected with us. We want to connect with you. We want to connect you with others. And we do what we do through the generous support of a lot of our donors. So if you're interested in supporting us, even just $5 a month would be an incredible blessing. You can hit the donate button on the site, get more info about that there. God bless you today.